Hey everybody, it's Ben Reiser. I'm Director of Operations for this year's Wisconsin Film Festival. I'm also the head of the Wisconsin Zone Programming Committee for another year. For some reason, they're still letting me do that. Um, but I am thrilled to be hanging out for a couple minutes right now with Cecilia Condit, mm -hmm. whose film, well, it's not a film. What do you call this thing? It's a video. It's a video. Done on my cell phone. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, yeah, the whole thing, huh? Well, let's, wait a minute. Don't jump the gun. Uh, <laughs> Cecilia Condit's video, I've Been Afraid. It's kind of a music video. Do you call it a music video? Yes. Well, you don't care about labels, do you? Not too much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a music video. And um, I love it. We all loved it. Couldn't wait mm -hmm. to put it into the, to the festival. And so here it is. Um, I don't even remember what shorts block it's part of, but I think it's, it, whatever it's with, it, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> but I'm at that point in the prep where I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. Anymore. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, it's a music video and it's got this song, which is both equally, I want to say it's equally catchy and like a sort of a pop song and disturbing mm -hmm. in its lyrical content. And maybe the same is true for all the imagery in it too. The, the, I, I find that most of the images uh, in the film, and it's basically like animated with a few live action things here and there, mm -hmm. including like a brief glimpse of you, I think, walking through the woods, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and I think the same thing holds true for the images. So it's a nice, to me, marriage of sound and vision where uh, looking at it is fun and funny but also creepy and, <laughs> and kind of scary. scary um so let's talk about the the theme of this song and and video for a minute and then i really want to just talk about your process and you know how things come to be the way they are but what inspired you to make this piece i i had a um inspiration to uh to interview lots of women who have been abused by their partners. And so uh, I, by the end of working on that, I was making either a documentary or partial documentary, but I realized that I couldn't add any more violence against women to the dialogue and film that exists. One more beautiful woman romanticized in death or abuse. So I, just went to a stop. And the details that were the most interesting were things that I could never show. And then I was really intrigued by this one woman and I realized that her ex-husband could kill her if I went ahead with what she wanted and be the lead in the piece. And so I stopped. And then I started playing with Instagram and my phone. And I started taking all these bits and pieces that I had heard and put together and put this dialogue together or a system of how women get themselves abused and how they don't get out, but how they even get there. And so that's what's so scary about it. And, I, and Isaac Sherman, who did the music, he, uh, I told him I wanted some a cross between Dolly Parton and Billie Eilish just so that it was sweet and fun and bouncy. And then I felt that I'd be free to talk about the kind of uh, rage and victimization that one sort of accepts 
right? And and I I I I have uh, one of one of my friends who I interviewed story was uh, where she said her husband would sit with their baby and he yeah. would go tick tock tick tock tick tock. And she said, no, he never, she never knew what he'd do, but she knew he was counting down. And sometimes it'd be days until he did it. And then she would either go, oh gosh, that was terrible. Or she'd go, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And so then she goes on living her life, you know, as it was because it wasn't so bad this time. So I put that story in and then there was little lines that I did of my own world where I started out when I realized I could be an emoji and could sing, I just died. I thought this is meant for me. I just could feel it. It was just, she was so cute and so charming. I couldn't make her look as old as me because when you try to be old and you get like a gray face and gray, yeah. face, you look like you just didn't wash your face properly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I figured I'd just make her cute as a button. And uh, and then I had that line that opens the piece, which is, uh, I, uh, I've been afraid of being me because the piece is called I've been afraid. I've been afraid of what you think of me. I've been afraid of who I might be if I could really be me. And I felt that was something that it's very hard to be you, you know, like, if you find yourself in a position of trap, being trapped or abused in any way, you have uh, this strange sense that you're not worthy. And then you can go back to really, well, it's not hard to go back to childhood and see where you're not worthy. And then uh, you realize that children who have been nourished really have every advantage and those who don't, don't have every advantage. And so then I started putting this world together. So I had, uh, was trying to deal with the absurdity of it. So I, I had lines like, oh, and I have um, work on TikTok, right? From possibly in Michigan, this little video I did in 1983, which is another short films, because I do short films. And I always do films that have to do with women. And it's usually about sexuality and violence or friendship or age or, you know, love. And um, yeah, so then I, I, I made a line because the TikTok line was going to be in there about him going TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. I, I have, since TikTok gave me a start yeah, a July a year ago where suddenly it became, so um, a young woman, Iris, uh, Iris Dillard put a short excerpt from possibly in Michigan, this early piece on TikTok. And it just, um, people didn't know where it came from, but if they found it back to me, they found it back to possibly in Michigan. And so then I had to deal with fans, real fans for the first time. And so there was something about it that was frightening. I mean, again, I perhaps I get more afraid than most people, but when you start getting lots of fan mail, suddenly it becomes very peculiar. Yeah, And so I uh, wrote this piece about abuse and also, like, so I have this little line that goes, I've been afraid of foxes. I've been afraid of ticks and toxins. I've been afraid of what I might do. I've been afraid I might kill you. So it was, I went, okay, you know, it's serious business. So it became a 
two things. One of it is became a piece where I've been afraid was a piece where I dealt with the things that I was afraid. And I thought that people could relate to it, even if they didn't have the same experiences, because everyone's afraid of something. And today, everyone's afraid. I mean, you, everyone's afraid of something. It's just how high on the agenda or what they are. Like if they're just small fears or they become planetary fears. Right. So, so this, so this, these, this dual meaning of TikTok in your piece, there's the TikTok that that husband is doing, but then there's also TikTok, the little video platform. And, and yes. And then you tied those two things. You're like, oh, I think I need, I think both of these <laughs> things need to be in this piece because they're both sort of came into my life in the same time. In the same way. And, yeah. and they are, they're, they, they're unavoidable. Yeah. And, and because of what my life has been and what I do with my work is that I sort of like hold on to things in my life that I use that happen in my life so that I make work about events in my life. I mean, I don't think I'll get closer. I don't think I'll do that again, right? To think that TikTok and YouTube and the whole algorithm, I am not going to continue making work about, but... <sighs> But there is something about popular culture that's introduced to my work that will never probably quite disappear again. Right. There, but I, I wanted to go back a little bit because I wanted to hear that when you were back thinking of this project where you were interviewing women about uh, abuse that they had suffered, how did you go about collecting those stories? Did you, was it just friends of yours or did you put out an ad or something? No. Uh, a friends of friends, friends, you know, it wasn't very hard. Mm. It was uh, amazingly not hard. Uh, um, I didn't have to go through like the Sojourner Truth House. I didn't have to do, I had thought I would have to, but it was, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have asked people who were from different economic and racial stratas who were friends and had friends and, it was uh, easy to collect stories. And the stories were all the same. It's just how they were acted out. So the business of isolating the, the woman was terribly important. So you had to isolate them from their families, from their friends, so that there was no help in sight. It's sort of like the difference between chimpanzees and bonobos. Chimpanzees, you know, they, the, the females are isolated, men are in power. But in bonobos, you know, any bonobo who wants to really hurt a female bonobo, the, all the tr whole tribe of female bonobos steps in. It isn't that they don't want to dominate the women, they just can't. So the isolation is a big thing. I have a, a line about that in there too. You have to, you have to isolate people in order to do it. And you can do it very easily because you have houses where the doors are shut. And there's doors everywhere in houses. So there's a, it's not difficult. I mean, if we lived in one big open space, it would be a very different world. And if all places were connected, you couldn't do it so well today because things are different today than they were. Everything's out there. That's why it was amazing to me that it was as easy as it was. And it was amazing to me how honest people were. They, 
people need to share stories like that because there's no platform. No, so who I, but I also realized that there's no way I could give them a platform either because it was dangerous or because I couldn't stand it. Yeah. So, so it, it feels like, um, I mean, so it feels like you could have made this music video, the lyrics and the dialogue in between the lyrics and all that stuff all be about these tales of domestic abuse, but you don't do that. You sort of bounce back and forth between those stories. Mm -hmm. And I think some more personal things related to you, like it actually starts with that little, little bit about uh, a twin brother kicking, uh, so hard in the, <laughs> yeah, in, the <laughs> in the womb. So before I even got out of the womb, I had been like battered and I didn't describe it too much, but right. I always have personal stories in there. Mm -hmm. okay. But there's, so I could have had more personal stories of mine, but I thought the TikTok one was so splendid. Yeah. And also it didn't talk about violence. It just talked about fear. Yeah. And then also I had one other story of another friend of mine who who went to her husband's deathbed and uh, said he said, I thought I'd be at the death of you. And she said she thought he would be, too. And I, I don't know if I hit that hard enough, but the stories behind it were so extreme that the fact that she could laugh and say, yes, I thought you would be, too. I mean, I I didn't say it like like with the kind of gravitas that maybe it deserved. It sort of goes, the TikTok one is different, but this one for me was that she had had enough time pass that she really, really, and she went like, yeah. They agreed, they actually agreed, something which would have been impossible to agree to on at one time. Yeah. Well, it feels like it's sort of a dark comedy, the whole thing, or, or sort of, it sort of feels like it's akin to those sort of old kind of murder tale songs, um, you know, <laughs> like these old folk songs about like. It's a fairy tale, sort of. Yeah. There's qualities to it, right? I think I have like some very charming lines in there. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I know, I worked, I, I, what I did is, um, I decided once I knew I couldn't do those stories, I just started to play and, you know, like it wasn't a lockdown time yet. And I, uh, I started playing with emojis on my phone. I don't know how to use Instagram really, even today, but I knew how to get into that and to play with all the Instagrams. And I had shots. I went to Mexico for a while. And when I was there, I shot all these shots just still photographs and then I would work putting owls on them or I found a little bloody plastic bag on a street on a really busy street and I went stop and took my cell phone out and took the picture of this little bloody plastic bag that I was comparing to uh death yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was like, is this a crime scene photograph or, you know, what? I didn't, I couldn't figure out where you got that from. So I was just amazing. walking across the street and I went, oh, no, 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 no. This is one of the things you can't find in America. You'd have to do it. So, like, you'd have to make it. But I never would have thought to make it. But it was right there. There's no question in my mind that it looked like blood. So did you construct the entire 
piece on your iPhone? Like, cause I, well, I don't, first of all, I don't even know how to do those animated emojis. I think I don't have an iPhone that's new enough to do that, but then I really don't know how to transfer that kind of stuff to another device or some, something where I have an editing platform. So did you do the whole thing, like editing it in like iMovie or something like that? No, I edited it in Premiere, but every oh. shot, every shot was from my iPhone, either generate. Oh, that's not true because my son had all these shots from Alaska when he was doing this expedition. Hmm. And so there was like these empty spaces, which are sort of like the empty spaces of, of isolation and what can happen in empty spaces, but they're, it's the, the natural world empty spaces. Mm -hmm. Somehow that connected to me behind closed doors or just plain nobody else is around. Mm -hmm. And so I put those things everywhere. So everything else was basically shot in Mexico. And then I would just use the emojis. And emojis are a very slippery little things. Sometimes they're yeah. there and sometimes they're not. And so like that wolf disappeared for a long time. I was waiting for it to come back. <laughs> and so there's a lot of them. But there's, there's, uh, there's uh, legs that I have dancing. They're old. And the babies are old. I don't know how old they are, but I couldn't even find the person who did it. It's maybe they're five years old. <laughs> they're really but old. You were, but you were able to get the emoji stuff, the animated emoji of, of your, of your avatar singing off of the phone and on into premiere somehow. Sure. You just, uh, you just, no, 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 no. To I mean, me, it, is. It, it, it was, <laughs> yes, it is. But uh, you can probably use your iPhone with ease. And I don't do it. I just somehow managed to find this place where I could go and then I could easily find share and send it to myself. And so that was how I worked. So I was always doing this little thing, just like if I was a teenager. People would say, what are you doing? Before I even knew what I was doing. And I was saying, well, I'm working on my cell phone, making these little things, you know, with, I don't know, these beautiful little things. And I didn't like all the stuff in there, you know, like it's, but I think I got, I got terrific work that people did. It wasn't my work. You know, I didn't animate them. They were, they were right online and I, I couldn't find them if they weren't back on Instagram. I would go looking on YouTube for them. And they, you know, people have them there everywhere for they just download them. I mean, it's not complicated. You can just hit download and yeah. pop. Yes. There it goes. But that was an experience to see how well these little images of mine could so easily put in like a little dancing emoji on top or a dinosaur, mm -hmm. just on top of little images that I made just crazy it was so easy so um did the did the music and the rest of the sort of soundscape come first and then you then you built the images around that or was it the opposite or were you just sort of doing it all together well i started well when i was taking a break from all the violence in the stories and not knowing what i was doing that's when i started playing and so I didn't know if I didn't ever think that this could be made into something about abuse, but it became clearer and clearer when I started thinking of some of these images might give me the license to be able to say things that I couldn't say in a heavy, wouldn't do to people, right? Yeah. And, and then I just got better and better at it. And then I started putting lots of things, like lots of legs in, you know, lots of foxes. <laughs> you know, it's just easy like one is almost as easy as seven mm -hmm. and <laughs> yeah and 
then I started thinking I could do this, but I thought I had to have a song. And that's when I contacted Isaac, Isaac yeah, Sherman. Tell, tell me about him. Uh, how, do you, how do you know him and what does he do? Does this, is this the kind of thing he does? Isaac Sherman, he's a musician, but he's also an experimental artist in sound. Mm. And he was someone um, that Kim McDaniels told me that he was really talented. And he came to UWM when she was a graduate student and she was blown away. And then she was, was it Nas Dinsel was very good friends with him. And so I had these two high recommendations that people had been telling me, this is the guy, but he didn't do work anything like this. He just like made this piece, especially for this. And uh, then I needed changes here and there and I needed other things. And so, cause I, then I started writing the words. And so I gave him some words and then he made it to music. And then, and then I, I sang right before COVID. I uh, sang all the lyrics that I could come up with. And then with lockdown, I just went, okay, that's the lyrics, right? Because I can't sing. And he put auto-tune on everything I do. Right. Whose right. idea was that to do to use the auto-tune? Oh, I never heard of it. I just went, well, I'll never learn to sing. I could just put auto-tune on. Now I realize that I like to sing. And the new piece I'm working on, I sing very poorly. Are you going <laughs> to auto-tune that one too? I don't think so. Okay. I think it's sort of like just humming to yourself in an off key. Yeah. You know, like dream kind of stuff. Yeah. It's different so, than that. That had to be pretty slick. Yeah. Because the no, visuals were slick. Yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, I'm, I, <laughs> you know, I think the song is legitimately catchy and great lyrics. I mean, I kind of love it. I kind of want like just oh, an MP3 of it to put into a mix <laughs> with other stuff. Oh, um, Thank you. Um, Thank you. So your name has come up a lot in all these recent interviews that I've been doing with other filmmakers uh, that were uh, highlighting at the festival and also recently at our UW Cinematheque program, uh, and always with love and reverence. Um, uh -huh. I've, I've you you turn up in my recent interviews with Amir Chikaros, uh, with uh, Lori Felker. And with Kim McDaniel, who you just mentioned, um, yeah. uh, who's your favorite out of those three? I'm just kidding, uh, but I mean, uh, you know, tell tell me about your relationship with those with those artists. And and well, and, um, and really, I, I'm wondering about all the amazing stuff that seems to be coming out of Peck School of the Arts and Peck School of the Arts graduates and Peck School of the Arts faculty. Uh, well, it's a great, the film, it is called the Department of Film, Video, Animation, and New Genre at the Film Department, which is where, yeah, UWM mm -hmm. and um, University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. And I know uh, Amir Chekharov and I know Kim McDaniels because they were graduate students. And so I don't stay really close to all graduate students, but I have they have woven themselves into my life in a way that I love them. And uh, Lori, <laughs> Lori was, uh, we overlapped before I retired just for a year or two, but I think Lori is like amazing. She like, she like sees up space and she jumps. She like knows what to do. She has the confidence and intelligence to do it. Now she's a, she's a floor show. 
I really admire her. I admire all of them, though. So I, yeah, no, Lori's a special. I think the film faculty that I worked with, I was really lucky to work with such unusual people. Mm-hmm. For I worked there for as grad director for thirty uh, some years. So it was the slippery slope of administration. But the lovely part of it was is that most of the year I just sort of worked in my own bubble which is sort of like how you work as an artist, you work in a bubble. You have like lots of arms that are out in every direction, right? But you know, like you do, but it's, it isn't like you're totally involved in the world of politics and administration, but it's spends, you spend a lot of time. <laughs> so I, yeah, I realized that when I stopped teaching, when I took off, not just the, teacher's hat where I had to really be an expert on what I was talking about. As I got older and older, I told my students that uh, I was really powerful, especially in regards to them, because I gave them grades. And so they look at me and they think, oh, she's just an old woman. But I go, no, no, no. (laughs) This is not how the game plays out in this classroom. (laughs) And so that was a hat that I was kind of glad to take off. And then there was the administrator of the grad school hat, and I took that one off. And so the last few years since I haven't been working has been very freeing for me. It's been great. I uh, I uh, get to sort of like muddle around in my own head and come up and play. And like this piece is really playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's work. By the time I was done, I was really exhausted because <laughs> I had all these things that I had never done before mm-hmm. because I didn't have to be a teacher. I didn't have to play that role where I knew what I was doing. So I could bounce out onto things that I didn't have any idea where, where they were going and not feel foolish if I failed. Yeah. Well, uh, I love everything of yours that I've seen. And this one's particularly delightful to me. Um, I guess I, I guess I, I didn't really ask this question. Maybe I will, but, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but, um, there, as I, as I was saying at the beginning, it's like the thing is catchy and fun and playful, (laughs) but also scary and creepy. And I wonder how much, how important, always having these juxtapositions in your work is like, so that you're making things that aren't just one thing, but that they're sort of balancing these different moods and ideas or, or takes on the, on a subject matter. Um, is that, do you feel like that's something that's, that's important to do all the time? It is for me. If I just hit one note, I feel like almost anything you feel or you experience has so many chapters or so many little houses or so many little boxes and that any particular thing that you experience that's traumatic or crazy or mad or nuts or anything isn't just like one thing. It has like a side that's really vulnerable and a side that's really angry. Like I could kill you. <laughs> and, the beast. and yet, you know, here I am saying I'm afraid of being me, but I could kill you. <laughs> you know? So there's, if I don't do that innocence and I don't do that, uh, you know, that there's a playfulness. Like I always have these chairs in my work. I have like in um, Harding More Than Children, I have a little ch- wooden chair in, in the sea in Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. And it's just bouncing around, but it sort of is the isolation that I experience in my world. 
And then I have chairs with a little chair that's sort of like a little, it's an emoji that just sort of rocks back and forth when she says he, he sat in this chair, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. And I have these live things that are so isolated and so strange, but they seem to like encompass themes that I can bounce here or bounce there. And they mean different things in both places, but they always seem to mean that ultimately you're always alone. Even the guy who was saying tick-tock, tick-tock in his chair is ultimately alone. And that's a theme, I think. Yeah. Is that a is that a is that a a sad concept to you or just a, or a comfort or just it is, what uh, it is. I don't know because I get to work everything out in my work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if it's sad, I can deal with it because I, and all my life, even when things are really challenging, I can take them, I make work about it. <laughs> I have a friend who, when I was complaining, I can't remember what I was complaining about. Oh, I was complaining bitterly. And she said, Look, I feel anything for you. You're just going to make a piece out of this. <laughs> yeah. I went, all right. All right. That's the way to look at it. It's taken me a long time to realize, yeah, anything that happens to me, no problem. <laughs> just work it out of my work. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've made a life of, as journalist, it's diaristic, I guess. When I look back on early work, all to the work that's now, I can see who I was and who I've become in my work. It's uh, uh, interesting to think to look at now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us this year, Cecilia, in this crazy, weird COVID year. Um, thank you. Hopefully next year you'll have something else for us and we'll be able to bring you to Madison and we can have another filmmaker's brunch and hang out and enjoy some. Yeah. I have a new piece that I'm going to oh. be done in six months. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> Maybe soon. <laughs>